You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 230, Why Every Church Needs to Have Small Groups. I recently released a blog post that uh, generated a lot of discussion on on why churches need to have small groups. So you can go back on my blog if you want to read this article. You can do that. The, The podcast will be going into a little bit more detail today talking about why churches need to have a small groups program, no matter what you call them. I mean, each church does small groups a little differently. Our church calls them connect groups. I've heard them called life groups. I've heard them called, of course, small groups or Bible study groups. I've heard them called prayer groups. Um, And even some of the more traditional churches, the Sunday school program can function as a small groups program. I had a very good friend who was a Sunday school teacher in a large church, a large uh, denominational church, and um, we had several conversations about small groups. And in reality, his Sunday school class of 30, 25 or 30 people was functioning as a small group. Uh, they, they got together on Sunday, of course, but they also had relationships outside that where they got together for cookouts and different types of social events. So in a real sense, it was functioning as a small group. But what I want to really do, do in, this, in this talk, in this, uh, in this podcast, is I want to give you four reasons and four, four thoughts on why uh, small groups are so important for the life of your church. Now, look, if your church is... 30 people or 50 people, okay, yeah, you're, you're kind of still a small group and maybe you don't. But really, once you get over that, once you start moving towards that 100 range, once you're into the 75, 100 range, really, it, 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 right around then, you need to start thinking about breaking out into small groups because they're going to help you for so many reasons, and that's what we're going to talk about. Number one, number one reason why churches need to have small groups is they help with discipleship. What was Jesus' last command? Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Not make converts, not make church members, but to make disciples. Well, listen, on Sunday morning, you can't really make disciples. It's great to come together on Sunday mornings. We love to come together for the big service with worship and preaching and seeing friends and just having a big celebration, but that's really not where disciples are made. Disciples are made in a smaller context. Jesus had 12 in his closest, or 12 of his closest followers were disciples, then um, were called apostles, but even out of that 12, there were three that were kind of the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. But, But it was in the the, the small setting that Jesus really invested in these 12 men and prepared them to change the world. So discipleship is the primary reason or one of the primary reasons why every church needs to have 
small groups. Now, listen, every church does it differently. I get that. Some churches have more of a formal type of discipleship curriculum, and that's great. Other churches have a very informal. Um, and, you know, depending on how you run your connect groups, every connect group's not going to be a, quote, discipleship, unquote, um, type of group. But discipleship still takes place in the context of relationships. Um, even if your your connect groups, your small groups are more social uh, meetings where you get together and talk and build relationships, there's still discipleship taking place, and it should be. And this is something maybe we need to be a little bit more intentional about. If your social groups or your connect groups are a little bit more uh, social groups, then then maybe we need to be a little bit more intentional. And we have in our particular church, you know, we have many, many, many different kinds of connect groups. Some, you know, people get together and run. Some people get together and work out. Some they get together and just have a meal together once a week. But even in those meetings, there's going to be at least some scripture shared. There's going to be at least a prayer, even if it's just praying over the meal. And then there's usually going to be, you know, some type of sharing about something that's important, maybe spiritual things. Um, so, but at least even in the social groups, there's going to be just uh, some light uh, discipleship. So, so it's definitely something to look at and being really more intentional about if you're not doing it. Um, Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church in California, says, You can impress people from a distance, but you only influence them up close. And, you know, people on Sunday morning, they they can see other leaders, they can see the pastors, and, you know, they can think that they have it all together. But really, it's in the context of a small group that we are able to share our own uh, weaknesses and struggles and things that we're dealing with and get prayer for each other. And really, that's where we grow when we're, we're, we're in that, that idea. You know, you, you uh, in a small setting, the group gets to know everybody. Uh, the leader gets to know everybody in the group. Um, they know what their struggles are. They know what their families are dealing with. And so this is just such a really important thing of helping take people on the journey of discipleship. So um, faithfulness, when we're talking about discipleship, faithfulness, spiritual maturity, being teachable, family life, um, these are all part of the discipleship process and can be modeled in a small group setting. And that's what, you know, again, that's what Jesus used, and it's hard to improve on, on what he did. So that's number one. Number two, number two is pastoral care. You know, I think for, for too many years in traditional churches, the idea was that the lead pastor, the senior pastor, did all the pastoral ministry. But so many churches around the world are waking up understanding to understanding that that model is so bad. It's such a terrible model because it creates a one-man show. And we know that God has not called the pastor to be a one-man show. He's called all of us to serve, and to minister. And what a small group does, what a life group does, what a connect group does is it provides a context for pastoral ministry to, to really thrive. Um, really, in, in most churches, most pastoral ministry is done and should be done in the small group setting. 
you know, when families are going through a crisis, a death of a loved one, a prolonged, prolonged illness, a financial crisis, whatever it is, when it's handled in the connect group, when it's handled in the small group, this is the church working the way it should. I mean, what did Paul talk about? He talked about how we're all members of one another and how we we all, you know, are part of each other. And so you can't really do that on a Sunday morning. It's very difficult to, to get into somebody's life or to help somebody with something. But in a small group setting, when you've got you know, four, five, six, seven, eight families that, that meet together regularly and you've built relationships. When somebody's going through a crisis, it's just the natural thing to want to jump in and help them with that crisis. And of course, there are always going to be bigger things that need to be, you know, pushed up the chain of command, if you will. But I'd say 90% of crises, pastoral issues, can be dealt with in the small group level. And then, of course, for those those the, the bigger ones, um, you know, the death of, of a church member or, you know, a, fa- a marriage that's really going through a serious difficulty, um, even maybe a breakup or split up. Of course, things like that need to be pushed up the line to, to the other pastors. But so many things can be dealt with in a small group. You know, years ago, we, we had a family that uh, left our church and word got back that they were upset with us because they had a crisis. They had a very serious family crisis, and no one from the church reached out. Well, of course, as the pastoral team, you feel terrible. We felt awful. We thought, oh my gosh, we dropped the ball. This one slipped through the cracks. What happened? And so we went back and started doing some research, and we found out that this family was not involved in a small group. They only came to church once or twice a month. And so when they had a crisis, no one knew about it. If they had been plugged into one of our many, many connect groups, if they had been plugged into one of our small groups, the crisis would have been dealt with in the right way because we'd have known about it. So so it's so such an important thing. Pastoral care, um, look, that's a huge part of every church, and we want to make sure that people are taken care of. And when we get plugged into a small group, there is a support system to look after us. Well, don't go away. We will be right back. I just want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Leading into the 21st Century and Beyond. Uh, and, and, and I always like to add, this is the 2.0 version. I actually revised the book, added a bunch of new chapters. And, and this book is really a practical leadership guide. All the chapters are short and immediately actionable. Um, you know, there's some discussion questions at the end. And, and it deals not just with leadership, but it also deals with um, personal productivity, time management, and of course, superv- supervision management, and leadership, because those roles are all important. Sometimes we kind of, when we talk about leadership, we kind of thumb our roles at the idea of management, but the only reason leaders can do what they do is because they've got people who know how to manage as well. So so we need both. We need visionary leaders, but we also need people who know how to manage resources and make things happen. So we're talking about two totally different things when we talk about management and leadership, but they're both vital, and I talk about both of them in 
leading into the 21st century and beyond. So check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes. Well, okay. We have talked about two reasons why every church needs to have small groups. Number one, we need it because it helps us make disciples. It's, it's part of the discipleship process. And, and where better to do that than in a small group? Number two, pastoral care. Most of a church's ministry, most of a church's pastoral care ministry really can be pushed down to the small group level because if people are involved in a connect group and they have a crisis or even just something minor, they just need prayer, but it's still a pastoral issue, that can be dealt with in a small group setting and it works so much better that way. And then number three, leadership development. You know, we need more incredible leaders in every church. I've never had a pastor say, well, you know, I've got enough leaders. I really don't need any other people to volunteer. I've got plenty. No, no, every pastor on the planet is crying out for more quality leaders that can help bear the the responsibility of leading a growing and thriving church. But where do we develop leaders? Well, one of the places is in a connect group. Now, this is not the only place. We we actually have several different places where we develop leaders in our church, but our small groups are one of those places. When we develop our leadership skills, um, our ability to connect with people, maybe a teaching gift. Um, There are so many things that we can develop in a small group setting. I mean, you know, people come into churches sometimes and they have, you know, this idea that, you know, they've been a Christian for a little while and and, and they want to be a leader and they just expect somebody to give them a, a department at the church or to give them a lot of responsibility. But, you know, if we can't lead five or ten people, how are we going to lead a huge part of the church? Really, leading a connect group is the first step of leadership, uh, or at least one of the first steps of leadership. And, and being able to, to, to manage it well, manage the time, keep up with people, build the group, um, you know, make sure that, that things don't fall through the, the cracks like we were talking about with pastoral ministry. But, but really knowing how to, to take care of a group of people this is a huge step in the leadership process. And the small group is one of the best places in the church to train and develop leaders. And it's also a safe place. Um, you know, sometimes we see leader, a leadership gift in other people that they may not feel in themselves. And so as a, a leadership coach, sometimes what I'm doing in the leadership groups that that I oversee along with the one that we're leading is sometimes I'm helping these leaders develop their gifts. And, you know, this is important. This is so important that somebody's there to provide feedback. Uh, many, many years ago, I was coaching a, a connect group. A young man was was leading and he was, he was real excited about leading the group. And one of the things that I was kind of working with him on is the fact that, you know, um, even in groups where we have teaching, it's not about 
you know, me or somebody else getting up and teaching. It's about creating an environment of discussion and input and, 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 and really kind of hearing what other people are thinking and God's saying to them as well. And, and one of the groups, the, the young man just dominated the discussion. He was the leader and he just dominated. And he had prepared. Oh my God, it was good material. He had really prepared, but nobody else was really getting any opportunity to share or to even ask questions or to interject. And, and after it was over, he asked me, he said, so, so did I talk too much? And I said, oh yeah, man, you talked way too much. And I I could see he was crushed. And I said, look, buddy, the material was great, but... And so he came back later. He said, man, I appreciate you being honest with me. And so I'm seeing this incredible... I saw this incredible growth in him is as he was constantly learning to get better and developing that leadership gift. And, 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 and you know, that's what, that's what it's all about. It's about us growing and learning. So, you know, one of the, the biblical patterns of leadership involves mentoring, and that's kind of what we do. We're always looking for people to invest in. And so not only are we putting, um, giving people a chance to, to lead connect groups, but even the small group leaders themselves, they're looking within their influence. Who within that group might they raise up to be an assistant leader? Or who might they raise up in that group to spin off and start their own small group? So that's really such an important thing that, um, that we're always looking to replicate ourselves because I mean look leadership is not about creating followers leaders is not a leadership's not just about creating leaders I really want to create leaders who can create other leaders that should be excuse me the pattern that we're going after all right well the last one number four number four the number four reason we need small groups in every church is it's the perfect place to develop our spiritual gifts. You know, if you believe the Bible, and if you read the Bible and believe it's true, we also understand that God has given us spiritual gifts. And we've done some podcasts on spiritual gifts, and I'm sure we'll do some some more at another time. But where do we develop our spiritual gifts? I mean, it doesn't really happen on Sunday morning. I mean, it can, and there's a place for that, but it's not usually not the best place to develop a spiritual gift. Um, so in a connect group, in a small group, there's a safe place to practice working and using our spiritual gifts. You know, I usually, when I teach spiritual gifts, and I teach this quite a bit, um, you know, I actually like to describe spiritual gifts as, as the tools in our toolbox. What tool do I need for this particular problem? You know, there's some tools that the only thing that's going to work is a hammer. There's other tools that you need a screwdriver. Some, sometimes you need a measuring tape. Sometimes you need a wrench. Sometimes you need a pair of pliers. It depends on what the situation is. And so as Christians, as Christians who are filled with God's Holy Spirit, we understand that He's given us gifts, but these gifts don't just come out on their own. They have to be developed. And if you don't know how to use a screwdriver or a hammer or some type of power tool, you may hurt yourself or someone else. So let's learn how to use these gifts, and the small group is a perfect place for this to take place. It's a safe place. You know, we talked about a safe place for developing leaders, but but also a safe place for developing spiritual gifts. You know, in in First Corinthians twelve, um, the the one of the gifts is is the gifts of healing, and also the gift of miracles. Well, that's a gift to be able to pray for people. Um, 
But you know, you might not get that opportunity on Sunday morning to pray for somebody who's sick. So, you know, whenever your connect group meets and somebody's dealing with a sickness or a family member of the, you know, of, of a member is dealing with sickness, here's an opportunity to practice using your spiritual gifts, practicing praying for healing, practicing praying for miracles. And all these other gifts, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the prophetic gift. I mean, look, these are powerful gifts. And what did Paul say? I wished you all would prophesy. Well, why don't we? I mean, the Holy Spirit's inside of us. Let's ask God to develop that gift within us. But it doesn't just happen. We have to practice. And so a connect group, a small group, is a safe place for that to take place. Because you've got a leader, you've got people who can mentor you and coach you as that gift is developed. And so this is just a wonderful place to develop our spiritual gifts. Now, just a quick recap. Why are small groups so important for every church? Well, discipleship, pastoral care, leadership development, and developing our spiritual gifts. These are four vital areas that are going to help build any church. Because the goal of small groups is not to be a church it's part of the church. And, you know, really done correctly, small groups will help every church to grow and to thrive. So a good, healthy small groups program is going to provide a great venue for these four areas to be worked out. Well, I'd love to hear from you. Did I miss anything? Those are four areas. Can you think of anything I missed? I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com. Drop me a question or a comment in the comment section for today's post. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. I would love to stay in touch with you. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. And until next time, this is David Spell encouraging you to keep developing leaders.